This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is called Win or Bin. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? Oh, it's going great. You know, it was a tough race in 60 seconds this time around. It was so much to fit in. I mean, it really, really was a great, great race. I think people who've been watching this podcast for long enough or listening to it will know that the result wasn't exactly what I wanted. But I was I was gripped from start to finish. That was good TV. It was good TV and it was interesting and it was very, very, I will point out, old school in terms of reliability. We didn't lose people to crashing like we normally do. We lost them to engines just going kaboom left and right. But I think even without that, we had three teams genuinely fighting for the race win. This is real. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you know, you could argue about how it would have played out without the safety car and everything had worked out, the, you know, if there hadn't been those strategic things. But what you saw on track today under those conditions were three teams desperately trying to save their championships or make them in the case of Red Bull. We will talk about it in depth, but first, let's summarize the race in 60 seconds. All right, well, apologies to everything and everyone I left out of this, but oh boy, was it a challenge. Lights out! Hamilton gets Botas, Raikkonen gets Botas, Verstappen gets Botas, Van Doren contact, Gasly, Raikkonen off, Botas gets Verstappen, Botas gets Raikkonen, Verstappen gets Raikkonen, Raikkonen gets Verstappen, Verstappen contact, Raikkonen, Verstappen gets Raikkonen, Ricciardo gets Grosjean, Van Doren pits. Hulkenberg on fire, Hulkenberg out, Botas loses power, Botas out, virtual safety car, Hamilton stays out, 
Verstappen pits, Raikkonen pits, Vettel pits, Ricciardo pits. Hamilton says, uh-oh. Mercedes says, mea culpa. Virtual safety car lifted. Raikkonen lock up. Ricciardo gets Raikkonen. Hamilton pits. Hamilton P4. Hamilton. Lots of naughty words. Ricciardo blisters. Hamilton blisters. Raikkonen gets Ricciardo. Ricciardo pits. Hamilton DRS on Vettel. Hamilton pits. Hamilton behind Ricciardo. Hamilton. More naughty words. Ricciardo smoking. Ricciardo out. Hartley out. Hamilton out. Van Dorn out. Checkers. Verstappen wins. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the permission of our wives. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm also joined by my recent co-commentator of many recent car events, uh, Jake Sanson. How's it going, Jake? It's going great, mate. I miss you in commentary. We, we need to get you back in. I tell you what, when we go to Europe, I'll start uh, getting you on the plane and you can come out with me. I'm not sure. Are you just about small enough to fit into my luggage? I'll do anything for the right price. We also have Bradley Philpot, Nürburgring, Nordschleife specialist. How's it going, Bradley? It's going really well. Thanks for having me. And managing the chat room is old Papa Steve Amy, our video editor. How's it going, Steve? Hi, Spanners. Hi, everybody. Greetings from tomorrow. All right, let's talk about the circuit and the general impressions we get from this track, because on the face of it, it doesn't seem very exciting. However, it does seem to deliver good racing action. I mean, Brad, didn't you say something to me along along the lines of, it's got seven corners? I think seven's actually over the top, isn't it? Um, one of my friends on Twitter tweeted a picture of the track where they had all the corner numbers, and I think it's 12 officially. And they said, how on earth can you call this track a a 12-corner circuit? Even in a GT car, several of these are just completely flat out. So, um, yeah, it's it's not the longest, but it's actually quite a nice track, isn't it? It's nice and flowing and there's real grass. Well, it's Formula One. Anything that's not exactly straight can be considered a corner. Uh, But, Jake, I did like the fact that the drivers were punished for going off track. I mean, you're one of these old school idiots who's like, I I want gravel back. I want cars exploding. I want grass in the middle of the track that they have to randomly avoid. Yeah, it was a typical old school Grand Prix on a typically old school F1 circuit. I liked this one because it had a bit of everything. But yes, as you said, the the stewards should have punished uh, the drivers correctly for what they did. They did. I don't actually think this time they got a single call wrong from what I could see of the race. So there might have been a few where they could have been a bit stricter. But all in all, I think that was 10 out of 10 for the stewards, which I barely ever get to say. Yeah, it's interesting. So I think, you know, maybe, just maybe, cars that can do 300 kilometers an hour don't need to be bogged down in 17 tight and technical and twisty uh, corners where nothing can happen. Maybe this is the kind of track where F1 cars can kind of really flow, Matt. Yeah. And I have to say, I know that certain people were complaining about the uh, curbs, particularly the ones outside of turn nine that broke more than a few race cars. But I'm going to say, if you're going to have several parking lots full of runoff in your racetrack, Putting curves like that right there was actually not the worst possible idea you could have had. And in fact, I don't know if anybody else caught it post-race, but apparently McLaren broke so many front wings, they were using last year's spec with this year's nose cone uh, with a bit of gaffer tape hanging out, you know, taping it on with gaffer tape. Wait, wait, they were using last year's nose cone. Well, hang on a minute. Well, well, that makes... No, no, no. This This year's nose cone, last year's front wing. Well, that makes sense because last year they had the best chassis Formula One has ever seen. So it makes sense to slowly <laughs> adopt parts of it back into this year's car. Um, but did you notice on the front wing, you know, I'm no Summers, um, but when it was coming down into that final or penultimate right-hander, 
even without touching the curbs, the McLaren wing was really low, hitting the ground. Yeah, and and I think that was what was causing the problems for them that caused it for Toro Rosso. And who who else managed to break something on that? Anybody remember? There's quite a few, wasn't there? Um, Stroll, I think, might have lost a few pieces there. Uh, so let's go in, into qualifying because uh, let's go to Brad for this because it looked like a track where perhaps Vettel and Hamilton were overdriving a little bit and Bottas's style seemed to be what was required on the day, which is why he awesomely managed to beat those two to pole. Yeah, it wasn't a huge surprise for me to see Bottas on pole. He seems to really go well here. And it just rewards, this track rewards just not making any small mistakes at the beginning of the very long straights because you've got such long flat out sections. Any small loss you make on the exit of a corner really harms you for a long, long time. Uh, Bottas just seemed to get it right. Can I make an argument that the reason Bottas got on pole was because it was a shorter circuit than usual and therefore he didn't have to push it on the limit for too long? There are certain drivers in qualifying who tend to make mistakes in their final run. And I've noticed a couple of times, not all the time, but Bottas is one of those drivers that will make a mistake towards the second or third sector and spoil a lap. Whereas this time, it's not actually that long a lap. So some of the drivers that find it tougher to push on the limit were actually able to get a much better run out of it. Bottas was quite high on the grid. Raikkonen was not bad on the grid. I wonder if that's to do with the fact that this circuit's a bit shorter. I don't. Is that me just being paranoid? I think it's a good argument, but but my argument would be it's really down to turn three and Hamilton just continuing to have an issue with it because let's recall he was ahead in qualifying up until the final session and he really made a mess out of his first run. And I think that put him in an awkward position, not having a banker uh, going into his very, very last run. And even at that, I mean, what was he like 19 one thousandths off of Botas? Yeah, it was, it was very and close. both of them had, and Botas took a full tenth off of his first run time, and all of them had all of their best sectors on their last run in qualifying, which, yeah, wow, that's pretty impressive, I gotta say. So basically, in the first run of Q1, I think both Hamilton and Vettel made a mistake. So Hamilton went deep into, into turn three and had to correct. Um, but had Bottas not improved again, Hamilton, that would have been enough for Hamilton to be on pole. So Bottas banged in two stonking laps. So absolutely credit where it's due. And, and he is good on this track. Um, now let's talk about punching a hole in the air then. Uh, Bradley, how much, how much difference is it making, um, to Ricardo having to punch a hole in the air for Verstappen? Because we, could be excused for being confused. I thought being behind was bad with these cars because you would be in dirty air, therefore not get as much downforce. Why were they now quibbling about being the car in front? Yeah, I have to say this one really surprised me for exactly the reason you've just highlighted. Um, of course, there is going to be a gain on the straight. If you've got a slipstream, we know how that works. But uh, yeah, you don't really want to still be behind people at some of those fast flowing corners, do you? So um, I, I don't exactly know what they've calculated the gain or to be, uh, but they obviously think there's something, don't they? they they've got, that's a, a new little kind of behind the scenes um, argument or backstory that I didn't know about before, before their, their little tiff. And tiff it was, wasn't it, Trumpets? Yeah, and I think you could put the advantage up to about two, two tenths, somewhere thereabouts, which is about the difference we saw in lap time between the two of them. And what's in, what's really interesting about this is because it was a short circuit, unlike, say, Paul Ricard last week, 
they had enough time for two runs in the last qualifying session. And Ricciardo, for some reason, thought that Verstappen would basically do him a favor. And on the second run, let him let him trail and gain those two tenths back, which if you're a Red Bull team, you know, you'd like your two Red Bulls to not be split by, say, a Haas of Grosjean, for example, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But as per all the teams, usually what happens is they, they draw straws and then they just take turns. One driver always goes first. The other driver or, or the or the second driver gets the choice of where they want to go. And, and in this instance, it was a huge advantage for the Red Bull to be trailing. And also regarding closeness, remember that the the damage done to the air is literally can be the length of the straight with these cars. So so you can pick up that slipstream from farther back, then you start losing front downforce when you get closer and into the dirty air coming from the outwash of the front wing. So as long as you're you're close but not too close. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting from the the Red Bull pit wall. Obviously, we've known the Red Bull pit wall has not always been 100% successful at enforcing its team orders, multi-21, etc. Uh, but the team order that was first issued went to Max Verstappen. So the one we heard first on the commentary was at Ricardo going, just get on with it, mate. Just get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try and get you back later. Just get on with it. But before that, Max Verstappen had been told to go to, to go and overtake. So they'd slowed down. They said, well, why is he slowing down? And they said, yeah, just just go around him. He's like, no, no, I don't want it. And they're like, yeah, just get on with it. Just Just do it and we'll solve the problem later. So they issued that order to both drivers and in the end it was only ricardo that capitulated but i've used that tactic with my kids as well let's see which one is being less stubborn because in the heat of the moment this is the equivalent to not being at home where you can discipline them properly this is the supermarket where they're they're screaming at you um and and you've got no choice but to make a quick solution and the easiest solution brad i was just going to say you actually said the word so i didn't know whether you'd heard the final thing verstappen said the whole discipline yeah go on go on I can't remember the the exact phrasing, but I just loved how firm he was being. He was, you could argue it was petulance, but I don't think it was. He he was the one sticking to this pre-agreed arrangement. And uh, I just loved how he, you know, he stuck to his guns. He was like, no, I'm not going to do what the team tell me. Uh, he knows he's got some power there. Yeah. And what was interesting to me is that, uh, I mean, we don't normally think of Ricciardo as having lots of ponies on air. Is it to the point where you might call this a unicorn? It's very unusual to see him upset like this. And I suspect he had had some kind of halfway discussion with his engineer that never really got properly sent around and agreed to by all the parties in the team. So I, it seemed like he had very much the expectation that because there was a second run, they, they would give him a chance to trail just to improve his overall position, but that that wasn't properly approved, let's say, at the top of the hierarchy. And just as a tease about what we're going to talk about later with where we think Ricciardo might go, it was really interesting that he volunteered the information. He said, I- I'm not going to say that this has been building. And it's like, no one, no one asked you that. This is the, what was that program after Little Britain? Uh, League of Gentlemen, you know, where the policemen were looking for their friend and they go into the little shop, they question them and interrogate them. And then the shop owners at the end, just as the policemen are leaving, we didn't say, burn him. We, we didn't burn him. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a problem. Uh, yeah. So anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about where the race was won and lost. Go on then. What a race, Matt. I mean, anyone could have won that race out of the top six. Where was that race won and lost? 
Um, I think it was the, the, the critical point uh, was clearly the battle during the first lap between Max Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen. And you had Raikkonen with an amazing start. Like, like I cannot believe Hamilton actually managed to come out ahead because they went three wide. I mean, and if you saw Raikkonen's onboards, you were just like, oh, boy, that's living large, my friend. And and out he went. But where it went wrong for where it went wrong for Ferrari and for Raikkonen. And this is a problem he had this is a problem that Vettel had is they did not have their tires really well into the window and they both locked up twice and both times took him off track and that the first one let Botas back through and then the second one made it impossible for him to hold off for stopping because going into was it turn four you could see he had a loss of traction again on these cold tires and 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 essentially that was it Verstappen was in front of him and that was did not change for the whole rest of the race. Did you see actually what a good start Vettel made down the left-hand side? At one point, I think he was physically fourth on track. It was it was when Bottas lifted off to avoid contact with Raikkonen, not just being sensibly conservative. Vettel found himself in a complete dead end. And just minutes before the start of the race, I had predicted or I tweeted, oh no, uh, Grosjean and Vettel have collided. Sorry, I, I, I've released that a couple of minutes too early. But as soon as Vettel got that grid place penalty for blocking signs, I went, oh man, that does put him in the Grosjean zone. And sure enough, uh, they did actually make contact um, on the exit of turn one. Uh, yeah, they did. And and it was fantastic. And it was even better that nobody actually got taken out this time. But But it was a genius tweet. Much as it pains me to admit. <laughs> uh, right then. Okay, so uh, we settle into the race a little bit with Hamilton up front and then Bottas very quickly fights his way back into second place as well with, with some really aggressive driving, Brad, uh, down the outside to just go, nope, this is mine, I've got it. I mean, this isn't the Rosberg-Hamilton era with super dominant uh, race car Mercedes. He, race car Mercedes. <laughs> vroom, vroom, race car Mercedes. Um, he had to fight pretty equally matched cars took two of them on round the outside to slot into second. Yeah, but it, the job was kind of half done for him by Raikkonen rejoining the track a bit unsafely, flat out, moving across, pushing Verstappen slightly onto the grass. That just checked those two guys up enough that Bottas just had a straight run to that position. All he had to do was break cleanly round the outside and that those two places were his. Oh, let's see what the chat room's up to there. Papa Steve, what's the chat room saying? Well, Ray Thompson's got a question for Brad Philpott to start with, and he wants to know, uh, how come Ferrari starts so freaking well? Uh, do their engines just go into the torque curve more quickly than the Mercs? Is that what's getting them off the line and maybe causing the problems? I don't know whether it's, uh, whether it's that, whether it's they just have better traction, whether the drivers just seem to be uh, controlling their clutch more easily. There could be so many things that could, or, or a combination of so many things that could be the answer to that. But the, the real answer is I don't know. Thank you very much, live chat room. If you want to join the live chat room, it's pretty easy. You just go to YouTube and you search Missed Apex Podcast. If you click subscribe and the little bell, you get a notification every time you go live. And then if you follow that notification on your phone, it's, got, it's quite well set up. You'll see the video in the top half and then you'll have the live chat in the bottom half so it's very easy for you to come and join in with this chat room hope to see you soon if you're listening on the audio matt continue telling us how the race was won and lost um so yeah so basically once the opening laps had shaken out it was it was really mercedes race to lose at that point and they proceeded to do exactly that 
but not for the reasons that you would typically expect them to, to do so. Uh, the virtual safety car came out and we saw Hamilton stay out and everyone behind him pit. And I know we're going to talk about that a lot. The only people behind him who didn't pit were Kevin Magnuson at Haas and Sergio Perez. So you have, at a certain point, people trying to make up time, staying out to gain to gain track position. But these are people who are going from 15th to like 9th or 8th, not people who are already leading the race. Um, and from that point on, it, it got very interesting because our track temperature today was around very between 45 and 48 C. And yesterday it was in the 30s. So nobody had any experience of these soft tires, of which most people only brought one or two sets and temperatures like this. So it was a little bit of a mystery what would happen. But generally, the hotter the track is, the worse, the, the harder tire compound is, is more where you want to be. But as things washed out, that was not the case at all. In fact, the softs wound up retaining more heat and they started to blister uh, rather early. Yeah, that was surprising to see those blisters pop up on the Red Bull. And it was kind of like a warning to everybody else. He suddenly developed that thick line of not goodness on his rear left-hand tyre and then had to disappear. So that kind of, that's that, what do you call it? Um, something, something's weapon. What's it? It's a movie trope where if they show you something, they then have to Chekhov's use it. Gun. There we go. Chekhov's gun. So in the plot of this story, Ricardo's tyre was analogous to obviously Hamilton's problems later. So when you started seeing that same band appear on Hamilton, you're like, ah, this story has taught us that that means Hamilton is going to have to pit. Yeah. And, and in fact, it was literally everybody, but I think Kimi Raikkonen wound up with blistering, which, you know, the big concern was graining going into the race. Uh, but really, uh, given the temperatures, it wound up being blistering on these tires. And again, it's that thing where if you went a little too hard, at the beginning of your stint and you got that extra temperature under the tire, it was almost impossible to get it out the way they had their, their cooling set up. And, and this is what we saw with almost everyone just going that long. So for Hamilton, a virtual safety car would have been the thing that killed his race, except for the fact that his engine blew up and actually totally killed his race. But uh, it, it still wasn't a total disaster because even even the way things worked out, he was still ahead of Vettel at that point. He was. And uh, when Vettel got ahead, because Hamilton was held up a little bit by Ricardo coming out of the pits, uh, yes, Vettel got past. And then Hamilton was pushing really hard. Jake, were you surprised to see him pushing so hard? Considering he'd just been overtaken, he then spent the next 10 or 15 laps half a second off of Vettel's tail. Yeah, I have to say I was very interested with how that played out. I mean, the thing between Vettel and Hamilton was an interesting one to watch today. And I never, ever get to say what I'm about to say. I genuinely thought Sebastian Vettel was on his A-game today. He was absolutely brilliant. He made Raikkonen look pathetic. He made Lewis Hamilton look childish. He was absolutely on his A-game. That move that he pulled onto Lewis Hamilton into the Remus hairpin, that's the move that Rosberg messed up big style. And he really tried to basically give Hamilton no space at all. But he put him into a position where if you turn into me, we are going to both have damage. And there was nothing Hamilton could do about it. Vettel actually pulled a real fast one. That was a masterpiece overtaking move. It was one of the best moves I think I've ever seen Vettel pull. And Hamilton was just resorting to saying, 
oh, I can't do this. I, I, he just had no confidence after that point. He was a broken man. We're going to talk definitely about Hamilton's psyche a bit later on. And let's move to the fact that it was a Red Bull that was at the front, all aboard the Max hype train again. And here's here's what I'll put to you, Jake. This season, Ricardo has got a lot of the pl- plaudits and Max has been slated a lot. However, when it's both of them on track, when Max is up there competing and he hasn't had an issue or he hasn't taken himself out, which he definitely has done, when they've both been in it, Max has been ahead, faster, faster in quality, faster in the race. So, Jake, I put it to you that Ricardo has just been flattered by Max Verstappen getting in his own way. Now he's getting out of his own way. It's all about the Verstappen hype train at Red Bull. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. I mean, Vettel, uh, sorry, uh, Verstappen has made it very clear that he's not going to change anything about his style. He had a lot of people calling him to change and go, well, you're clearly making a lot of amateurish mistakes. You're doing stupid stuff. You know, you're not learning properly. And everybody was slating him going, he's too young. He can't hack it. So hang on a minute. This is a guy who won a Grand Prix on his first ever outing for Red Bull. You can't turn around and say, well, he can't hack it. A lot of drivers go through bad phases, i.e. Vettel, i.e. Hamilton, i.e. Grosjean. Half of the drivers on the grid have gone through bad phases. Verstappen's just done his in a very public way, but he stood by his guns and said, I'm not changing anything. You should actually have a go at Vettel because at Paul Ricard, he was the one driving into people. So I actually think, you know, Verstappen's perfectly okay to stick to his guns. He's done brilliantly today. That might have been actually his finest performance in a Grand Prix because there have been other times where he's led from the front and just got away. And that, you know, Mexico last year was very much his race to lose. Whereas for this one, he actually, you know, rolled his sleeves up, got on with it and got himself into a winning position. This was actually one of his most mature drives. So help me out. Where exactly did Ricciardo finish in this race? He didn't. Oh, okay. (laughs) So the entire point is kind of silly then. Well, Well, no, because up until that point, up until that point, Ricciardo was to be fair to him. And this is unusual for Ricciardo looked very very bitter you know it it was very very weak and and it's disappointing from Dan Ricciardo we don't expect that from Dan Ricciardo he's a much better driver than that race gave him credit for really he nailed Grosjean on the first lap and he was running basically uh, about where you would expect any of the top team to be uh, which is basically all the midfielders were behind him and he did that on the first lap so how 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 is that weak I mean granted he wasn't at the front but Verstappen being at the front was due to not was due to uh, an amazing not start. only a failed Mercedes strategy call, but also uh, Botas dropping straight out. I okay. mean, the thing you can really give him credit for is getting around, making a beautiful move to get around Raikkonen when Raikkonen yeah. lost traction, and he he took advantage of the inside. Are you suggesting, right, that that it was somehow just fortuitous luck that Max Verstappen qualified? two places ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, uh, got from his starting position past a much faster Ferrari. And even when that much faster Ferrari's power unit gifted him the place back, he then went and overtook again. And Ricciardo did none of those things. So how are you saying that there's no difference? We've got to give Max credit where it's due. That was a, that was an amazing drive not, today. No, no, no. Please, please don't put words into my mouth. I'm not taking anything away from Verstappen winning the race or having a good drive. He did both of those things. Where, where my quibble is, is with saying that Ricciardo's race was weak. First of all, regarding qualifying, well, Ricciardo punching the hole for him. Two tenths, they're basically the same pace. And as far as things go, 
oh, look, Verstappen overtook a car with a Ferrari engine and Ricciardo overtook a car with a Ferrari engine. So again, they have done the same thing as far as I'm concerned. Vettel was behind him, Ricciardo was ahead of Grosjean, and that's the way it was until we got to the pit stops. Ignore the retirement from Dan Ricciardo. Would he have been able to run at a decent pace at the front with those tyre issues? I don't think so. You know, at the end of the day, Ricardo had exactly the same equipment as Verstappen, had exactly the same chances, had exactly the same mentality, probably exactly the same race strategy, actually. So the fact that Ricardo had, you know, a black strip of gaffer tape on his left rear tyres for the majority of that stint, that's what killed his race. You know, he had absolutely no grip. And you can't tell me that Verstappen didn't do as good a job as Ricardo when Verstappen had no tyre issues whatsoever. Uh, Matt, are you disputing then that if we stopped the season now cut it off and then we started again nil nil and we only scored the red bull drivers and max verstappen or daniel ricardo did not have a a crash or a mechanical issue max verstappen has got the measure of daniel ricardo i i don't believe so i believe it varies on the race and the circuit and the day okay then let's talk about oh daniel ricardo where's he going next because i think that his bargaining power has somewhat diminished. As part of this conversation, I'm thinking that he, if he'd have made a move and signed a contract three weeks ago, it, he was a lot more valuable than he is now. But if you've listened to his post-race interview, it sounds like he's headed to the MMA. Not a bad comment. I, I, I personally think he can't go anywhere. He's staying at Red Bull. Uh, I've heard a lot of rumours that he might go across to McLaren. What stupid moron other than maybe Kimi Raikkonen would go to McLaren right now? No, there's, he's the only person on my book of the A-list drivers who would go to McLaren. And that's, there's a very basic reason for that. He doesn't care where he finishes. He just wants the paycheck. So he's perfect for McLaren because he's a big name. He draws a bit of a brand. But McLaren don't have to live up to anything. I think Ricardo's got to stay put. Do you not think he might see Verstappen in the same way that Vettel saw him? when they were both at Red Bull together. Um, do, do you not think he might not see a way he can defeat Verstappen in the coming years, you know, as he gets better and better, and he just wants to go anywhere where he can you know, stamp his authority again? I, I don't think he'll go to McLaren. I think it would be a crazy career suicide move. I personally think his best chance is to stay at Red Bull and try and beat Verstappen, but I don't know whether he can long term. Right. So you bring up an interesting issue. <clears throat> Which is that he has no place to go. And with regards to Red Bull, we know that they can, without officially favoring drivers, they can favor drivers. And there's no doubt that Verstappen is a golden boy. And I'm going to put the question differently. Looking at the current driver market, like how, how much, how unhappy does Red Bull really want to make Ricardo? just for the sake of some money, because really that's what it comes down to. If they gave him a reasonable contract compared to what Verstappen was making, something that felt fair to him, we wouldn't be seeing a lot of what we're seeing right now. And you just got to wonder, like, how is that really, on the other hand, I'm not a billionaire, so maybe there's a reason I don't get it, but how is it really worth it to the team to make a driver that good, that unhappy with them? So I think a lot of that comes down to uh, point scoring and power uh, it says a lot if you if you've got a driver who's willing to be there for a little bit of money like leclerc might be at 
uh, Ferrari next season, uh, he's probably going to be there on a relatively low wage. That sets his position as, you are the number two driver, you're lucky to be here. Once you say to a driver like Verstappen, here, you're the third best paid driver now in Formula One, that gives him a lot more power in the garage. And I, and I bet, I would bet right now that there's an upswell of resentment coming from Ricardo because he knows that Verstappen has got that bit more status in the garage. And, I, and I'll bet a lot of the contract negotiations negotiation is I should be getting paid the same as Verstappen and Red Bull are like well no Verstappen's a mega superstar be happy with just 10 million um even though his life will not be any really any different between 10 and 20 million dollars a year yes a different type of jet you know not with the the fancy seats it's a power play who carries that weight in the garage and Ricardo wants to be the same as Verstappen uh, okay, so let's go to Papa Steve in the chat room. Steve, sorry, mate, we've been sitting here sort of ragging on your boy a little bit. Uh, it, it was all going so well for Ricardo, wasn't it? Well, it was. You can see I'm dressed in black, you know. I'm... <laughs> black armband, <laughs> you're in mourning. Uh, what's the old chat room <laughs> yes, up to there, Steve? Um, the chat room basically agrees that, in fact, he's going to stay at Red Bull. Um, Arsenal Gallimore says that Ricardo's not going anywhere. Um, Daniel Gout says that the rumor is this morning that he's all, he's, this morning he signed a two year deal already, and that's the signatures on that. Um, and Quoku Anima says Ricardo would be better at Ferrari, uh, but European says Ricardo moving anywhere uh, would be termed as making an Alonso, which I've got to agree with. Jake? Yeah, I've got to say that if Dan Ricardo were to move anywhere, the only seat personally he's got to consider long term is Ferrari and I think personally Vettel would veto that anyway I don't think he wants to have Ricardo in the same team with him again so you know that's never going to happen I think the only other seat he would ever choose is Merck but there's too many problems with him going to Merck because Bottas is actually doing well so is Hamilton Hamilton likes Bottas and loves the fact that he doesn't see him as a threat you know he's there to pick up more points for the team so effectively Ricardo's got nowhere to go but to stay at Red Bull okay let's go on to the second place car in the field today it was the Ferraris bringing it home now I, I, let's let, let's let's have a bit of a debate here because Vettel finished third, which is like a recovery drive. He recovered twice. I think he recovered once after getting his penalty, and he did well to do so uh, by, by getting a good start. But then then he had to break behind Bottas, as we said, and hit Grosjean, and, and went actually went back behind both horses. I think he might have been back in eighth or ninth at some point. Um, so a really good, a strong recovery drive from him. Um, but I also think that Kimi Raikkonen should have won this race today. So you know. Uh, Who's going to argue with me first? Let, let's have Jake argue with me first. Kimi Raikkonen, twice now, two races in a row, people have been going on about what a good performance he's had. Here, I, I don't think I don't think he could have done much to go further back down the grid. It would have been a struggle to go further back, um, maybe behind Vettel. So yes, he's, beat, he's held Vettel off, if you like. But he should have won that race. He had opportunities to be past Verstappen. Absolutely. If Kimi Raikkonen thinks he's got a future at Ferrari, then he needed to win that race because you're never going to be gift wrapped an opportunity to win a Grand Prix on a circuit that he knows in a car that he seems to be gelling with. 
he threw that race away. It's plain and simple. That run to the Remus hairpin, he did what I do on the first lap of an F1 2017 video game. He tried too hard. <laughs> he pushed it over the limit. And he basically, you know, just gift-wrapped Verstappen an opportunity. He should have been leading Hamilton, never mind trying to fend off Bottas. So, personally, the fact that Leclerc is reportedly having signed a two-year deal. The BBC said today, Leclerc's got a two-year deal with Ferrari in his pocket. Good. Do you know what? I mean, it's time to give somebody else a try because Raikkonen proved today he was pathetic compared to Vettel in the same equipment. Trumpets, pathetic's a bit harsh, isn't it? I must say that the tediousness of that argument is only exceeded by the tediousness of Jake's hat at this point. That's stupid hat. And, 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 and it boils down to this. You could potentially make the argument, Raikkonen threw it away by locking up going into those turns, except for the fact that Vettel locked up going into those same turns on the same equipment and had the exact same trajectory. That leads me to conclude that the problem wasn't with Raikkonen's driving so much it was with the fact that the ultra soft tires weren't properly brought up to their temperatures at the start of the race because both drivers had the problem. So I don't, I don't think you can just blame Raikkonen for that. That just seems utterly ridiculous. Now we carry on to the pit stops. And the reason we didn't hear Vettel saying, I'm faster than Kimmy, the reason we didn't see Ferrari putting uh, Vettel in front of Kimmy is it, in fact Kimmy of all the drivers was the only one who was actually able to take care of those soft tires and his comment after the race was simple he's like uh, if we had pushed harder sooner we probably would have won the race <laughs> and that's exactly what it was he we didn't hear the radio transmissions but he might have been telling Ferrari you know uh, we should probably get on it because he did have at the end of the race the tires to get over on Verstappen if only the race was about five laps longer. Has Matt stopped talking yet? Good. Okay, so Spanners, I'm completely with you. Um, whatever Matt has just said is by the by. The fact of the matter is, if Raikkonen hadn't locked up and gone wide at turn three, and if he hadn't had that little oversteer moment through the first of the sweeping fast corners midway through the lap, he would have finished the first lap in front of Verstappen and would have had a very good chance of winning the race. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Matt. Well, no, but, you know, I, I'm sure you've had no experience with cold tires and difficulty braking there, my friend. Oh, Let's not talk about that. that is too <laughs> soon. Okay, but, we're going to have to... But be... essentially, it did in both Raikkonen and Vettel. You do know you're talking to the man who kicked Sebastian Vettel's hiney at the Race of Champions three years ago. Got, I'm uh, very well aware. Of let's that. just well, get a quick. Are, let's get a quick explanation from Brad. You were racing in the VLN at the Nordschleife uh, this weekend, and your, your race ended before it started. Um, so Steve, just remember to cut this section out. Um, so basically, yeah, um, I wasn't going to mention this, but I, I didn't get to race last weekend because we had, um, a tire temperature issue, um, and, uh, a Porsche being in the wrong place at the wrong time issue. I in and front of you. The, the Porsche and my Peugeot wanted the same bit of track at the same time. And the Porsche seemed to be stronger. So do you know what? The only excuse you didn't use there was the circuit was in the wrong place. It was just, I, I should have been like three inches to the left. Oh, I don't know. In, in my defense, we genuinely did have the wrong compound of tire on. Um, it, we had an extreme hot weather compound on the front axle and it should have, it, it was a cold day. So yeah, I had much, I had it much worse than Raikkonen and he'd had practice on those tires too. So I've got no sympathy. 
I know uh, Brad is a, a modest man and he, he would probably kill me for saying this, but it's very obvious looking at Bradley Philpott's career that he's a genuinely talented driver who should be racing week in, week out. If you are a wealthy individual who likes backing drivers at a personal level and wants to be treated to VIP treatment at the Nordschleifer, step forward, get in touch with us, back this man, get your name plastered all over his race suit and let's get this man racing week in, week out. Thanks, Spanners. <laughs> You're still wrong about... uh Rosberg in uh, Austria 2016. Uh, Jake Sanson, uh, you and me have been doing some commentary together for Daytona D-Max. Uh, it's been really good seeing you working in the flesh. I think I'm doing the next round. I don't know if you are. I'm afraid not. No, uh, my calendar clashes with that particular round of the championship. But uh, I am going to be during the British Grand Prix weekend. Very annoyingly, I'm not going to be in the country. I actually fly out to Germany on Thursday for the next round of the European Karting Championship. And I'm going to put this out there right now because it is relevant. Uh, we are obviously in that championship scouting Formula One stars of the future. I want it put here first on the Missed Apex podcast in 2018. Mari Boyer is the next Fernando Alonso. There you go. That You've heard it here first. That's a Missed Apex exclusive. Uh, he is the next Fernando Alonso. And in 2027, he will win a Formula One Grand Prix. There, ha- I said it. Has he demonstrated uh, an ability to irritate and alienate himself from all the good teams within a given series, leaving himself stranded at the back of the field? Uh, no, he's gone about it a very different way. He has his own team that, that he's kind of manufactured himself. So, uh, yeah, he's gone down the Jack Brabham route. Good tactics. All right, then. So, uh, unfortunately, I think we have to end up talking about Mercedes, Matt, because, I mean, it's woeful, uh, a woeful weekend for them. And in the end, rarely, it was, it was you know, two mechanical failures. Mechanical failures, sure, they happen. Uh, Bottas, I believe, had a hydraulic issue uh, leading uh, to do with his gears. Um, Hamilton had a fuel pressure uh, issue as well. Um, and I, I, th- I believe the smoke cannons at the end as Verstappen crossed the line uh, was simply just to, you know, to insult and tease Hulkenberg, Hamilton and Bottas uh, for uh, ending their races in a cloud of smoke. But, but apart from that, l- let's kind of talk as if those cars hadn't gone out of the race or, or essentially, uh, I think more relevantly, as if Hamilton hadn't have gone out of that race because he was leading. The, the strategy was not fantastic, was it? No. And, and by applying the uh, filter entitled hindsight on, on your phone, you can see immediately how poor a choice it was for Mercedes not to bring Hamilton in. But we can run the numbers because it's about a 10 second pit stop, a uh, 10 second gain, if you will, to stop under the virtual safety car. And he was roughly four seconds ahead, four or four and a half seconds ahead of Verstappen when he, when he bypassed the pits, when they did not call him in. And so he wound up being 13 and a half, 14 seconds ahead when the track went green again, which is about halfway around the lap. Had he come in and they stayed out, the the reverse would have been true. He would have been about five or six seconds behind Verstappen. He might have just come out ahead of Raikkonen or just behind Raikkonen. But both of them at that point would have made zero stops. So a pit stop would have been mandatory. And the worst thing he was going to be looking at was being stuck behind them until they had to pit. And this is where it gets very confusing because if you know they're going to have to pit, why would you not cut your pit stop time in half by bringing him in? And that's the explanation that I haven't heard from Mercedes, but I would dearly love to get. That seems like you could sum the whole thing up by basically saying that was one of the worst races Mercedes have had since 2013. Is that about fair? That's what Toto said. 
That is what Toto said. Uh, and it's a shame because Bottas, again, completely robbed in every single respect. I think he would have been minimum second today uh, had it not been for that. Probably would have won the race. Uh, Hamilton basically just threw in the towel and rolled over and gave up by the time he ended up behind the other drivers. They said, oh, pit in. Why not? It's not going to change anything anyway. Let's just end up 30 seconds behind everybody else. It doesn't matter. And it turned out it didn't because they had the problems anyway. It was such a shame. Uh, Matt, I know you said, you know, it's hindsight, it's 2020. And I think there was even uh, people who uh, were calling for James Allison to be sacked, uh, just to show like the, the lack of depth of understanding. James Allison, of course, being the technical director, um, the, the, the strategist is um, uh, called James Val. Is that, is that, is that his name? Val. Val. Um, so you say hindsight is 2020. I don't think this is what necessarily completely one of those situations where it was a, a coin flip decision. I think we've seen evidence that Mercedes have a particular philosophy when it comes how to, down to how to win a race that they're leading. So that philosophy seems to be um, stay very close uh, to the car behind. So not what Vettel used to do in 2013, which is disappear 20 seconds down the road and create a pit stop gap. They they get a, a certain distance. They break away from DRS. Basically, I feel like they get a, a mistake away up front so they get like if you put your wheel on the grass and you need to get yourself back on uh, they've given themselves enough room to cover off that kind of mistake and once they're there three four seconds up ahead turn everything down and wait but this leaves them vulnerable to a safety car a virtual safety car uh, and we've seen this happen before we saw it happen in australia then the second element of that is they have a general wait and see philosophy as well which caught them out on this occasion because the virtual safety car didn't run for a long time. So waiting and seeing wasn't an option. The 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 chance to pit came and went. Okay, so so let's take that apart. And yeah, it's very much different from the previous regulations because saving your power units and not blowing them up is everything if you're in it for uh, constructors' points. You need consistent high finishes in order to win. And we see that today with Ferrari taking the lead because neither Mercedes crossed the finish line in the top 10. It's only a 10-point differential, but it's a massive uh, makeup of points uh, from Ferrari because they finished high and Mercedes didn't finish at all. And so you do get this where they barely drive just – and we actually had a radio transmission, um, Botas, asking for the Mercedes to go faster because – um, Verstappen was starting to catch him up. And we know the Mercedes is in the first stint were much faster than the Red Bull, but then his engine blew up. So it didn't really matter. But when the virtual safety car came out, they were caught out. I think possibly as much by misjudging how long they thought it was going to be. Uh, but certainly if Mercedes has a weakness, it's reacting quickly to these sorts of, uh, fluid tactical situations. And and for whatever reason, communications, we don't really know yet. But I do want to bring up before the chat room one more thing that you might appreciate, which is what makes their life much harder, is they have way more information to sort through. And that's the signal noise problem that we never see when we're watching television. Yeah, there's a bit of a Dunning-Kruger effect, isn't it, when we're watching is when it comes to tactics, we don't know how stupid we are. Uh, so we kind of make these calls. We feel very, very confident about them. But in fact, we don't have any information to know if we're right or wrong. And often we are right and they're wrong, but we're right for the wrong reasons and, and they're wrong for very much the right reasons. Papa Steve, what's going on in the chat room? 
Well, they're all a bit of a Twitter at the moment because fake Charlie Whiting has dropped in and is watching live. A celebrity. So quite a bit of a stir. <laughs> and he says, uh, please Hi, don't wind me up about that goat rodeo with Paul Ricard. If you do, I'm going to uh, go slope off and mix a good stiff gin and tonic and have a lie down. Uh, hang, on a minute, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Did, did, did fake Charlie Whiting have, a, have some issues at Paul Ricard? I didn't catch that. You kept, yeah, he, kept it to yourself, Mark. <laughs> what else is going on it in the took chat? about three days to get into the track apparently <laughs> yeah it was, it was shocking I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to hear how his letter to the FIA went about his experiences of not being able to get into Paul Ricard uh, what else is going on in the chat room um, well um, fake Charlie also says that in relation to the mistake with Hamilton that James Valls is a very clever engineer uh, he got it wrong it's a human error but he'd rather have an occasional wrong call, um, you know, than AI replacing strategists, you know, and it all becoming just computer algorithms. Oh, I will say, Trumpets, the way he came on the radio, realised his driver was losing his head, took the full brunt of responsibility, was not only good sportsmanship, it was fantastic management. Yeah, I agree with you. And I want you brought up the Australia situation, but the problem is um for people who look at it casually, not that you look at it casually, but for people who look at it casually, it's like, oh yeah, Australia. But the difference is in Australia, the pit stops had already happened. They basically thought they had a free pit stop. And this is the exact opposite. Guys, can I just double check? Was this virtual safety car caused by Bottas's failure? Yes. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So why on earth was Bottas not at the side of the track? undoing the straps and pushing his car off the side of the truck just to extend the virtual safety <laughs> car by another lap. Uh, obviously, that's a stupid question, even if he... It, it, there, there was an irony, though, isn't it, Matt, that, that it was Bottas that ended up scuppering Lewis Hamilton's race? Yeah, I, I did I did have the thought that, that not Mercedes couldn't tell him this uh, over the open radio, but, you know, they were sitting there thinking, oh, please, just park it in a slightly more complicated spot. Please, 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 please. I, I feel really sorry for James Vols and the rest of the Mercedes management today because basically the race unwound as a result of Bottas's retirement, which was completely not his fault. Clearly, their new package is a little bit more unreliable than it has been in the past. But Lewis just going to pieces and crumbling as a result of emerging in fourth position, that shows that clearly something within the management just can't control Lewis. And that's something that we've seen quite regularly over the past when things are going great it's amazing but when things are falling to pieces Lewis just can't hack it and that's something that the management needs to get on top of sooner rather than later all right I want to talk to Brad about this what is going on inside Lewis Hamilton's head when it's all going well he, he's really chipper and he's chirpy when things start to go wrong it all goes negative very very quickly yeah, so this is actually the thing I, I like the least about Lewis Hamilton. I'm not a massive fan like you are, but I certainly <gasps> enjoy seeing a guy who I watch rise through the ranks do well. And and he's British and, you know, whatever. I, I like seeing the people who I consider to be the best drivers do well. And it pains me every time he, he comes across with this attitude because for someone who's had so much success and has a team around him who clearly work so hard, he gives them lots of credit, as you say, when things are going well. And he's, he's a perfect gentleman and he's perfectly calm. Everything's fine. But it's these moments of stress and tension where he, whether or not it affects his driving, I don't know. Maybe we could say it does. It, it looks like, I mean, did 
did Vettel not get past him a little bit too easily today when he thought things just weren't really going his way? I, I hate seeing him lose his head like this, and and it happens frequently. And I'm certainly not immune to the same trait, um, you know, in the heat of the moment when I'm when I'm racing. But it's I wish he had a slightly stronger. Um, I wish his mental strength. We're losing you there, Brad. So let's go to trumpets. Right. So uh, regarding Vettel getting around Hamilton, I will just make the rather cogent argument that he had backed off of uh, the Reikin and Ricciardo chase because he'd overheated his tires. And he needed to cool them. And we know this from the transcribed radio transmission. And if you're going to blame him for anything, perhaps it was a moment of inattention and making it too easy. But at the end of the day, Vattel's tires were better than his. And and to the point where I don't think he was realistically going to be able to do a lot because he was still trying to cool his tires down so he could have another go. And when he got close enough, he flat out said, I'm going to have another go because it's now or never. And he did. He did the the best his car was capable of under those circumstances. And he also said, look, OK, whatever. It's been messed up. I'm just going to go deal with it in the car. And he, he pretty much said that, too. So, yeah, he was pretty upset because it seemed obvious to him once everybody else pitted. It's like, wait a minute, guys. Why did you leave me out here? What do you mean I have to make up at eight seconds from the lead of the race all of a sudden? What is that? And I don't know. Maybe in those circumstances, I might have some of those same feelings. Okay, we'll go to the chat room in just a second there, Steve. But Jake, are we being a little bit unfair on Lewis Hamilton sometimes? Because you've got to imagine that the feed focuses on a four-time world champion who was leading the Drivers' Championship, who was at the front of the race. You've got to imagine that the producers are saying, you know, he's very bankable, cash money, let's make sure we get his radio calls in. In fairness, apart from today, where he did drop an F-bomb, he is normally kind of quite pedestrian with his criticism. We always kind of say, oh, he's throwing his pony out, but he's not shouting and swearing. He's not having tantrums. He's going, you know, oh, I don't know, man. Why are we doing this? You know, I'm I'm pretty annoyed about this. It's, 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 he's hardly, you know, he's hardly, um, I'm trying to think of somebody outrageous. Johnny Rotten, is he? He's not, hard, he's not Johnny Rotten. Do you know what? He's a very rare Formula One driver in the modern era in that he wears his heart on his sleeve and doesn't back away from emotion. And I think that's unusual because we've got used over the last 20 years or so for motor racing drivers, even, you know, in race modes, people like Button or Ricardo at times are just machine-like when they're in the car. They're just a bit robotic. Lewis has never, ever been robotic. He's very down to earth. He gets, he gets quite emotional. He does lose his rag. And I think that's just unusual for a modern day racing driver. They become so robotic, like in the car, they just have to get this bit of data, this bit of data. They, they've got to focus on the job. Lewis is one of those drivers who does actually have, you know, a bit of an emotional problem in terms of he can't keep a handle on it. And I think that's something that we're loving and hating in the same way. People who prefer racing drivers to just shut up and get on with it don't like him for that. Uh, wait Whereas a minute, though. Jake, other- Jake, Jake, none, none of the racing drivers shut up and get on with it. They are all very, very vocal. Uh, Steve, uh, what we what we getting from from the live chat? Have they recovered from the fact that we've been graced with a Twitter celebrity? Oh, yes, they're now on to uh, Hamilton, the Hamilton discussion. Um, and uh, Ray Thompson says that he likes and respects Lewis, um, but he doesn't like how easy he seems to be thrown off when things aren't going exactly yeah. right. He should have a more stable kind of mental outlook about his racing. Richard McGill says, 
Ham struggling with the tyres, and that's never happened before. And I ha, has it ever happened before? I think he's pretty been pretty good with tyres. Um, no, I and think, I think mi- what, what happens is it's the when the natural wear rate of the tyre sets in. I think he he seems to find it hard to adjust to that. So he won't have the best performance after a certain amount of laps because that's what the tyres are designed to do. So he says, "Oh, these, these tyres are gone, man." You know, in his kind of slightly faux American accent. I don't know how he got that from Stevenage. Um, whereas other drivers will be, okay, this is the natural flow rate. So his, his own team have to struggle with him to say, no, that is normal. You don't need to pit, you know, stay out there. Uh, Brad, go on, you jump in quickly before we go back to the chat. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about this. Are there any drivers in the current field who display the trait we're, we're asking Hamilton to display because I don't, I don't think so. I can't I mean, think of anyone who doesn't actually get flustered. I just think Hamilton sounds a bit more whingy when he does it. Is yeah. that fair? I mean, it, who, who is really mentally stable and doesn't complain when things go wrong? Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I deliberately drove into Hamilton, you know, in anger when something wasn't going right. Um, some drivers swear all the time. Grosjean sounds a bit whingy. Lance Stroll constantly complaining. Uh, who, who? There, I don't think they're really. Gas- Gasly's quite, uh, quite sharp. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, Hamilton is the new Mansell. He is quite whiny, and that was something that Mansell was always very famous for. So yeah, he's just flying the flag for great British racing drivers. Uh, chat room. I think we hold him to a, a higher standard. I think that's why. That's why I feel like that about him because I don't think all the other drivers are potentially the best driver ever in the world. So I just want him to be perfect in every area. Maybe that's why. Uh, Steve, finish off our, our chat room visit. Okay. okay. Um, uh, Lars6452 says, we know why Bottas doesn't get flustered. That's because he's a ro- robot. He'll be forever good. And Dimitri Gerhard says that the real problem is that Hamilton is working on lyrics for a new solo rap album while he's driving and doesn't like to be disturbed. Yes, yes. Bradley Philpot got into the notes and tried to change the show title to uh, this show is called lay her down like a patient which is one of the lyrics from hamilton's new song i think it spread her on the bed like a patient yeah don't understand why that would be desirable in any way shape or form uh all right then hey look uh we've flown through our time here uh let's go a uh, quick note we can't leave without talking about has can we america uh matt yeehaw has fourth and fifth and as we've always said Grosjean is brilliant and amazing and consistent and will score all the points and get all the girls and having kids is not a problem at all no not a problem at all it's kind of staggering that it took them three months to complete their fourth and fifth finish that they started in Australia but complete it they did and they jumped oh, yes. McLaren in the standings <laughs> it was it and and it was just and because and I have to say, like, it was pretty much a no-brainer for Grosjean. He pitted under the virtual safety car and was basically driving his own race almost the entire time. But they chose not to pit Magnussen, which I got to say was probably brilliant for them, given what happened last time. They, they're just like, we'll just leave one person out and we'll take our time with the pit stops and, and he'll figure it out. And he did. And that Haas is a class car, at least around the circuit. Do you think that's what they said? They're like, they're going, oh, should, should we pit them both and change tires now? And there's someone sort of stoically looks down at the ground and says, no, this has happened before. Yeah, you, you just, I mean, I know they didn't double stack them, but, but like, why would you put that operational pressure on yourself unless you absolutely had to? And, and Haas, a small enough team spread out enough. They just, they made a very clever, conservative choice. And they drove a smart, clean race, and it worked out for them. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jake Sampson. Yes, while we're getting towards the latter stages of the race itself, I, Haas was very, very awesome. I, there were a couple of things I pointed, I, I noticed towards the end of the race uh, because I had five live but i also had the f1 tv account service which gives you the team radio that you don't hear in the f1 broadcast and right in the closing stages sergio perez at force india was told to move over and let esteban ocon through now i don't think that was picked up on the tv to which perez's response was why is that fair which is you know clearly perhaps those sort of rumblings are going to start up again between those two Alonso getting in the points, quite impressive, considering that he's got a car that's still pure garbage. And uh, two Saubers in the points. Wow. Yes. That's the first time in about really three, good. Week, three years that's happened. And again, Ericsson beating Leclerc. Clearly, the world is about to implode. <laughs> Leclerc went off, though, Trumpets. Well, first of all, Ericsson didn't beat Leclerc. He finished behind him. Oh, OK. So there's that, you know. Um, but but I, here's... I, thought, I thought Ericsson was ahead. Fair enough. I, he he let him back by. And this is the same ah. thing that happened with Ocon because Perez, because they did not stop under the virtual safety car. They had tires that were 10 to 20 laps fresher. So in both instances, the teammates let the other person by to attack the person ahead of them with the understanding that because they did not defend the position, that if the pass wasn't made, the position would be returned. Now, Ericsson, being a good Swede, simply returned the position, whereas Perez said, well, do you really think that's fair? Well, I don't know. He let you by without fighting, so that was the deal you made. Kind of like Verstappen, one might think. I'm going to argue that the reason Ericsson let him by is because he doesn't have a backbone, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> it doesn't that... Multi-21 away. That fits in with, isn't there a, Brad, isn't there a, another Lewis Hamilton lyric about the ocean? I'm a dive in, touch the ocean floor. He must have got some inspiration from Ericsson there, who, of course, lives at the bottom of the sea. We're running out of time. Let's move on to the podium and awards. I don't know about you, chaps, but I am I am thrilled for Formula One that it's had a good race last weekend and then just a real good quality piece of television. Absolutely fantastic, enjoyable. We had great strategy. We had enough to tell us not to panic yet, Matt. We shouldn't panic when we've had the odd boring race. Formula One 
has had a lot of boring races throughout history. Let's let's just calm down. Let's just see how the next few races go. We had three absolute rotters on the trot, and we've had two great races. We're lucky, lucky sports fans. We are lucky, and the race itself was good, and the championship is exciting. Ferrari's back in the lead. Vettel is barely in the lead, and we have a race at Silverstone, Mercedes home base coming up i think what's we, not the love i think we needed this i think we needed this i think we were in danger of getting to a tipping point where mercedes suddenly had the pace to kind of kick off and and, and all things being equal today without the bad and terrible luck lewis hamilton would have extended his championship lead over sebastian vettel and there would have been kind of that creeping doom element that the championship was going to get wrapped up early uh but jake it, it is wide open now yeah, do you know, I think that was a Grand Prix that was needed by F1. It was, I don't want to go down that old cliched route and say, oh, that was a classic Grand Prix that we used to see. It wasn't. It was a very evolved style of Grand Prix racing. That's the kind of race that I think the fans have been craving for for a long time. Good strategic battles, open playing field between the top three teams, no clear indication throughout as to who was actually going to win the Grand Prix. A lot of intrigue throughout, not too much, you know, pandemonium not a lot of carnage great racing intriguing strategy that's what the pure hardcore fans of formula one have been shouting for for ages okay maybe there wasn't as much overtaking as you know the armchair enthusiast was dying for but that was a pure event it was a pure grand prix and i think you know the hardcore fans will see that as one of the best races of the last 18 months yeah i I agree so let's start with bradley philpot then uh the good award is called the Thing of the Weekend Award. Who got your Thing of the Weekend? Thanks for letting me go first. It's Haas. Ha- or Hoss or Haas, depending on Right, okay. So in the chat room, somebody... Was it fake Charlie Whiting? Again, it suggested yeah. that it was pronounced Hoss like boss. There's, there's yeah, no way that's, that's right. he says the word boss like boss. Like, ah. It sounds a bit like Haas, but it's not boss in an English voice. No. It's boss in an American voice. That's why that's why he's confused. Oh, he's Canadian. Okay, well, well, given given that it's an American word, in respect of our American cousins, I'm just going to say it however I want, uh, along with Ricciardo, uh, Perez, uh, whoever, who uh, Bo- Botas. Uh, who's your thing of the weekend? Are you asking me? You already asked. Oh, oh, so has, so has. Sorry, you're right. Okay, I got, <laughs> I got distracted by my my own attempt at a joke. Good. All right then, Jake Sanson. Who is your thing of the weekend? Uh, Claire Williams. Uh, for going completely and totally fashion crazy. I don't quite understand is, why is, she did that. This is the good was thing. Yeah, was it just basically some way of, you know, shouting, we're still in here, we're still here. Both their cars were two laps down. She had to make it interesting somehow. So yeah, go Claire Williams. Are, are you talking about the, the the tweet that our buddy at Thunderbeast99 managed to snap and uh, went pretty viral uh, where he, he caught a, an image of Claire Williams either tending to or vetting or sending an email to an engineer named Paul. And the email read, read on her phone, Hi, Paul. Um, and Tony couldn't make out the first one, so it's XXX. So it's either, it was either Dave or Claire. Hi, Paul, uh, Dave or Claire, or Paddy, may have already mentioned, but as an engineer, you need to be wearing shirt and trousers, not shorts and T-shirts, especially if you're sat on the pit wall. Passive-aggressive, thanks. Now, let's be completely clear here. This was during qualifying, during Q3, where they had one car, uh, spectacularly for them at the moment, uh, in the Q2 positions. Matt, this is what the team principal of Williams was worrying about whilst Lance Stroll was trying to clinch a very unlikely Q2 position. 
I sense your sexist overtones and will raise you Ron Dennis having specially made What's sexist about that? towels <laughs> for the garage floors. It's just simply one of many details the team principal ought to be paying attention Not during to. during Q3, that. and I will take massive issue with you suggesting in any way it's to do with the fact that she is a woman. Uh, no, no, no. It was, that is boggling. Like, there's no, no way she should be worrying about that. Dennis did. I mean, come on. This is this is the level of crazy that apparently is required from a team principal. No, 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 no. Right. Williams are generally in qualifying for 20 minutes of a weekend at the moment. You're telling me she can't concentrate on the race cars for 20 minutes. And my God, it's hot. Do you know I mean? Basically, they should be saying to the engineers, come in with clown hats, clown feet, and even like far-right propaganda if it makes the car go faster. You know what? And you know what this is, too. I know how this happens. Is this poor, this poor, this poor person, Paul, was working in a back office somewhere and got a text, I need to make an emergency bathroom break. Can you cover X? And so he ran out and covered X. And now he's literally been splashed all over the Internet wearing inappropriate engineer clothing well no it's just the fact that claire williams has basically decided to make an issue of this when everybody who saw that was screaming actually claire god bless you what you really need to be fixing at the moment is how fast your cars go in a straight line and then how fast they go through apexes it's really got nothing to do with whether your mechanics are wearing trousers or shorts but i love the fact that you gave so much oxygen to that situation you really need to reprioritize well that's women for you matt who got your thing of the weekend award oh you're gonna love this um i thought about it a lot i thought about it a ton and i'm gonna go with um Kimi Raikkonen. You just thought about that just now. Kimi Raikkonen, that's bonkers. He no, underachieved. It's not. Look, look at what it, I mean, yeah, I mean, granted, qualifying could have been better, but look at what a great job he did of all the drivers in the race. He was the only one to bring home an unblistered set of tires. And I'm sorry, like, you know, yeah, maybe if they'd push sooner, but that's a team decision. That's not just a driver decision. And yeah, no, I, I think he had a great race and he, he finished his highest finishing how long and ahead of Vettel so there so so in a conversation we'd had throughout the week uh, when I was saying don't wait until next season bring bring Leclerc in now um I mean you're of of the opinion that Kimi Raikkonen is still a safe pair of hands a a relatively slow safe pair of hands he he proves the old proverb doesn't he that slow and steady bags the odd podium Uh, well all right slow steady and unstrategically hindered he's just fine I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to Roman Grosjean because he has been getting absolutely battered by the press and rightly so. He's been making mistake after mistake after mistake when that has has given him the ability to finish in the top five. He's beaten his teammate and he's finished fourth. He's finished fourth and Haas are really looking strong. They're looking best of the rest. And we know Grosjean has that performance deep down. He hasn't been delivering, but he did today. So he is my thing of the weekend. Uh, Steve, Amy, uh, have you or the chat room got a thing of the weekend? Well, my thing of the weekend, personally, I'm going to give it to Ericsson because he had half a decent... <laughs> he had half Oh, a we're losing you, Steve. I can't hear anything. You say. Oh, it's breaking up. Oh, look, look, look. <laughs> Uh, well, what about the uh, chat room? Are they saying things less ridiculous? There's a reason you're chat room host, all right? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> well, I mean, Ericsson, Ericsson will never get another one, so what the hell, you know? Give him a one before he goes. You've embarrassed um, your right nation. Right at the moment. Oh, dear. Um, 
most of the chat room reckon that uh, Bernie Eccleston's attempt at growing a beard is the thing of the week. Nice. Like 3D, 3D Quick says that Bernie is trying to rival Chase Carey in the facial hair department. Uh, someone's given it to Pirelli for finally having tyres that made us wonder. Now, I said before the race that I, I felt that if Pirelli gave us a tyre that could basically last from the point you get rid of your qualifying tyre, which is normally the softest one, all the way to the end of the race, I, I felt, Matt, that that is a failure. Because if, if you're going to have a tyre where you can just you know, qualify on a soft tyre and then put on a harder race tyre and that gets you to the end of the race, then what's the point in this Pirelli philosophy. You may as well just have uh, a race tyre that says, okay, go as hard as you can, as fast as you can on this race tyre and will mandate a, a certain amount of pit stops like they do in, in F2. For me, the whole point of this Pirelli philosophy was to cre- recreate the races we got four or five years ago where you had three or four pit stops, where you had tyres you could push on and then went off on a cliff, where there was real changes in strategy. At the moment, we're getting one-stop races every race, except for when Lewis Hamilton freaks out about his tyres. Well, <clears throat> and that partly might be down to Pirelli. It's also very much down to the teams understanding that that is a priority and spending a lot of time on understanding how best to use the tires. Because in general, we see the teams doing better on the tires than Pirelli would have predicted. But mostly, I'm going to argue what that's really down to, and this is the same thing that hampered Mercedes with their virtual safety car, it's down to the need of the teams to preserve their power units. So they're running so much slower in the race than they are in qualifying that I'm not convinced Pirelli has really accurately modeled what's going on in the race because they will have been looking at qualifying times as well when a lot more stress is going through that tire. Bradley Philpott. Who missed the apex for you? Missing the apex, you might not be familiar. The apex is the the sort of the bit that you generally want to hit on the corner to take the fastest line through. If you miss that, that's a bad thing. So this award is a bad thing. Matt, are you going to correct me on that? I, I'm just going to tell him that's the place where the, the that's the place where the Porsche wants to be and wants you not to be. <laughs> also, the place Rosberg should have gone in Austria 2016 turn three when he took Hamilton out. <laughs> but uh, so, who missed the apex for you? So hopefully this is going to be an unusual one um, and no one else will have thought of this. But the thing that missed the apex for me or the people who missed the apex are whoever sync the sound and the onboard pictures during qualifying and practice in Formula One. Because I was watching the dashboard change to the next gear. I was watching the driver's hand click the paddle. And then about a second later, I'd actually hear the gear change. And same for braking, same for anything where the sound should have been synced with what the driver was actually doing. It's really annoying. Only you would notice that. That's that's quite a good spot. That I'm I'm sure at least five percent of the audience uh, also noticed that. Jake, who missed the apex for you? Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, quite literally, uh, through turn three, Remus. Uh, basically, the worst first lap you could ever ask a Ferrari driver to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think he did that well on that first lap. I agree with you, Matt Trumpets. Who missed the apex for you? That's the bad one. Um, well, aside from disagreeing with the Kimmy thing wholeheartedly, because Vettel did exactly the same thing, only without passing people, I would go with Renault's new MGUK and or party mode. Did, uh, the only thing that did apparently was catch, <laughs> catch fire and not work properly because <laughs> Renault didn't finish in the points at all, did they? And they didn't have a particularly great qualifying, did they? So I suppose it's an upgrade somehow, but I'm not seeing it yet. Uh, my missed apex award goes to the Williams driver selection. Still, I think I think Charles Leclerc 
is, oh, sorry, Leclerc, whatever. I'm British. I'm from Essex. Let me off. I just say the words, whatever. I just say everything phonetically. It's all I've got. I think Leclerc is showing the potential gap between a pay driver and a genuine talent. And I think if you put a genuine talent in that Williams car, and I know Matt disagrees with me, I save you the bother. I personally think if you put a genuine talent in that Williams car, they they are out of Q3. They're out of Q3 week in, week out. They're still not where they should be, but they're in they're in Q2. Uh, Stroll was in Q2 this week. Yeah, but that was because yeah, well, that was that, and that was because there was a, a yellow flag that stopped people improving at the end of Q3. I have to say I agree with you at this point. Look, the car's not going to go a billion miles faster, but at least if you put Kubica and Verline in the Williams rather than Sorokin and Stroll, they might actually develop. I'm getting some heat in the chat room. I love you, chat room. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, okay, oh, speaking of chat room, then Steve, Amy, who who missed the apex for you, and what are the chat room saying? Um, I agree with some, uh, a whole bunch of people in the chat room at the moment. What missed the apex was the god awful 3D uh, graphics and animation that they had up around the track. That giant Heineken star and that F1 logo they had down near uh, the last turn were just horrendous. Please, guys, take that you know effects processor unit and throw it in the bin. I, I, tell, I tell you what, Steve, this is one of those classic rules of the playground moments because I saw those and went, "Hey, that's really neat." That's like on football pitches and cricket pitches where they they make the sponsor ad look like it's standing up, but it's it's actually just flat on the grass. But now I've seen that most of the cool kids don't like it. I'm, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they're rubbish. Get get, get rid of them. They use um, you know virtual advertising here for the supercars in Australia, but they make it look like just ordinary billboards that have been put around the, the track, you know, uh, along with the other ones, and it looks fine and it works. That that's cartoon. It's making me question the nature of racetracks. Is that bull real? Were those gorillas real? Is is anything real? <laughs> Am I even there? Not anymore. Uh, okay, guys, I think is that's... Marcus Ericsson real? <laughs> I hope not. All right, Jake Sanson, quickly, where can people find you on the internet, bro? You can find me on Instagram on Jake Sanson Official. Yeah, I know. I'm using that now, apparently. Uh, Facebook as well and on Twitter, at Jake Sanson. Bradley Philpot. Um, would you like to hear the Pony Award that I've oh, got before well, oh, you give me my yeah. Oh, look, and someone in the chat room to... was, was, was going, yeah, there are no bumpers for these bits anymore. That's only because I, I've lost those two. Don't worry, I've got this one. Go on then, who's got your pony award then, Brad? Right, it's um I had uh, I was spoiled for choice this oh, week. Yeah. There's loads. I could have given it to loads of people. I'm gonna give it to Alonso um for his uh and I'm paraphrasing something along the lines of do something with a strategy or something. I'm not gonna drive around in seventeenth position for the whole race. It was something like that. And um I like that. That was a good <laughs> pony. There's gotta be more hands up, anyone who's got a pony? Uh Jake? Yeah, I've got a pony. Uh, my pony is Sergio Perez for basically having a go at his team. Is that fair to let Ocon through? So, uh, yeah, definitely for Perez. Matt? And that's from, a, that's from an employee of Force India. Oh, yeah, good hurt. point. Best edit that. Uh, Matt? As I said earlier, mine is less of a pony and more of a unicorn, but I'm going to go with <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo for his astonishing, astonishing display in qualifying. Yeah, he he pretty much, you know, he melted down. It's a shame sometimes that they don't get just a minute to decompress and speak to someone. But, you know, it's good. It's all for our entertainment. Uh, I I think if we don't give it to Lewis Hamilton in some way, shape or form, people will be upset. But I'm going to give it to him specifically for when he came out of the pits and he went, wait, I'm in fourth? 
It's like, hang on a minute. You must have, they just told you you lost eight seconds. Then you bullied them into getting you to pit because you said your super soft tyres were completely dead right now at the same rate as the much softer tyre, which can't be true. And then you came out and didn't realise that you were no longer in first place or in fourth place. So for not understanding where he was on the racetrack, I'll give Lewis Hamilton that pony award. You know I love him. Hamfosi, don't come at me, okay? Completely agree, because that wasn't even in the F1 2018 Austrian Grand Prix highlights. And that was one of the most significant moments of the entire race. I mean, fourth? What? Where's his head at? Where's his head at there? And and where's that, that communication? I think... Once they'd made the decision maybe not to pit him, they realised that Lewis Hamilton was going to be proper, you know, proper annoyed. And and let's be fair, Lewis Hamilton is a massive megastar and powerful within Formula One. He is a powerful man. So there are guys in the garage when they know that they've just cost him a win when he's leading the world championship, probably cost him the world championship lead. That communication might have been a little bit more, oh, do I really want to get on the mic? EMH called it absolutely perfectly. He said, am I fourth? I got a massive Ricky Bobby vibe from Hamilton. That's spot on. Do you know what? I had exactly the same thought. (laughs) Dear sweet baby Jesus. No, not that one. The sweet baby one. Uh, Brad, you were about to tell us where people could find you online. Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at at Bradley Philpott um, or just search for my name on YouTube for my YouTube channel. Or if you fancy following in a bit more detail, Bradley Philpott Motorsport on Facebook. We've got a race coming up this weekend where I will make amends for last weekend. You proper love the VLN, don't you? You Show us your tattoo. Oh, grow up. He's got the Nürburgring tattooed on his forearm. What are this you, This is 12? what you're supposed to do, isn't it? <laughs> when you have a bad weekend at the Nürburgring, you get the track drawn on your arm. Wow. Okay, good. I'm sure you won't regret that when you're 70. That's fine. I, I'm really glad I've never got a tattoo because I know that 10 years ago me was an idiot and I will always think 10 years ago me was an idiot. Matt Trumpets? I, I I have to ask Brad why he leaves out his YouTube username from his list of credits. Because it's rubbish. Because it's rubbish. <laughs> it's like Brad Dude, I Love Hip Hop or something like that. Matt Trumpets? You can find me at MattPT55 on the internet. You can find my wife and her books at A Weaver Writes on the Twitters. And of course, go visit Brad's channel and learn how to drive around the Nürburgring without hitting things. Unlike me, who would definitely hit things. And I am stone cold jealous of the fact that I just cannot take those trips with you, my friend. All right, Steve, why don't you tell us who's won this week's Comment of the Week. Uh, okay, we've got a, a few of them um, that, that are quite po- possible ones. Um <sighs> LGH DeJetma said he found it interesting that Haas didn't know why they were going so fast. Oh, that's that is is really weird, isn't it? I love that. <laughs> why, why did it go so well this weekend? Uh, I don't know. It's brilliant, though, isn't it? <laughs> I think we avoided pit stops. That, that, was, what we, that was their main tactic. Uh, I think that's probably right. Um, Dimitri Gerhard, with his comment about Hamilton um, composing lyrics as he was driving around and didn't like to be interrupted, that's not bad. But I really think that we should give it to fake Charlie Whiting, firstly, Ooh. for dropping in and saying hello to us. But this comment is quite brilliant, I reckon. Uh, and, he's, and that is, according to the wind tunnel data, having all engineers wear trousers will reduce Williams' lap times by 1.2 seconds. Okay, look, we are going to give that comment of the week, but I will say that that smacks of like when, and this is giving away my wife's business secrets, but when they have a new child join in, in their vocal groups, they will often give that new child singer of the week 
to encourage them to come back. <laughs> so that's it. So hopefully we've encouraged uh, fake Charlie Whiting to come back. I hope you'll follow me at Spanners Ready on Twitter, Spanners Ready on Instagram, and follow the show at Missed Apex F1. We've got a Facebook group, search Missed Apex Podcast on Facebook. We've got the third race of a triple header, the British Grand Prix, where Hamilton will be looking to come back strong and Vettel will be looking to maintain his championship lead. He is the championship leader. Ferrari are the constructors championship leaders as we go into the 10th round of the 2018 championships guys we'll see you for the silverstone review remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever this was missed apex we have a question from the chat room for brad okay is it going to be lead to a long technical answer uh, no, no, no. I think uh, Dimitri Gerard would like to know if when you turn 70 that your tattoo of the Nürburgring, will it change into the Red Bull ring? I've, I've already answered questions about how I'll feel when I'm 70. And my, my answer is 70 year old Brad will be happy that 32 year old Brad, I think that's how old I am, was a badass. Is that how old you are? Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.